1: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. The Stanford Cardinal and the Washington State Cougars. So much alike, yet so very different. Yet so much alike. Confused? You won't be if you keep it locked right here on the Tree Cast with Troy Claire friday november the 15th 2019 we're getting ready for another road trip for the stanford cardinals they head up north up to the lovely palouse where they will face the washington state cougars always an intriguing matchup and this weekend promises to be no different we're going to break it down with you i'm troy clarity thank you so much for being here with us on this edition of the show We are joined later on in the program by Stanford Inside Linebackers coach Peter Hansen. It's been an interesting season for the Stanford Inside Linebackers. We'll cover that. And we'll talk about how they can help slow down the air raid this weekend up in Pullman. So... Uh, Peter Hanson, our special guest for this week. Plus, we are going to hear uh, plenty of uh, David Shaw's latest thoughts during his most recent media availability. And uh, we'll break it down with also uh, another edition of They Said It as Well, kind of our quote of the week. I am in Detroit Clarity, season number 27 following Stanford football. And uh, it's been intriguing as we thought it would be. Unfortunately, uh, we're, we're talking about things that I didn't, Want to be talking about this time of year, as far as Stanford just trying to scrape by and just merely be bowl eligible, as the Cardinal are at four and five. Meanwhile, the Washington State Cougars are at four and five as well. Stanford, a much better record in conference play. That's the good news. But both of these teams in very similar situations. I asked David Shaw earlier this week for his initial take. On the Washington State Cougars, and he said it was kind of like looking in the mirror.
0: It looks familiar. Watching them, it's like watching us. When you see their best plays, they're as good as anybody in America. Um, the way they throw it around, about the, the number of receivers that they have, I mean, they can score. Um, you know, twenty-one points a quarter if you let them. Um, they just keep rolling. And then you see some turnovers. You see some 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 uh, missed opportunities. Um, defensively, I mean, it's that same helter skelter kind of a defense that they run up there, and there's a lot of movement. They can get after the quarterback. They cancel running lanes, and you try to wind back, and next thing you know there's two guys back in the hole, and they get TFLs, um, and they've had a couple missed tackles and given up some explosive plays. So um, looking at both of these teams, both of our team and, and Washington State, their best is still really good. Um, it's about which team can be at their best for the longest Uh, time on Saturday and then be at their best when it counts the most in the fourth quarter
1: yeah both of these teams have been kind of singing the same tune however injuries have been a much bigger deal for one team than another which brings us to three things that you need to know about Stanford football right now Let us start with number one. When you're talking injuries, you're talking Stanford football, unfortunately, in 2019. And you're also talking about the quarterback position. And once again, K.J. Costello looks unlikely, as I say this on Thursday evening. It might be official status by the time you actually hear this. But K.J. Costello appears unlikely to be taking snaps for Stanford up in Pullman this weekend. David Shaw shared his latest update after Wednesday night's practice.
0: I would say K.J.'s uh, very doubtful. Very doubtful unless something changes dramatically uh, in the next 24 hours. He'll most likely be out. Um, Davis had a great day of practice. Been working really hard. um, Was healthy last week and feels great this week. Um, So if K.J. can't go, Davis is ready to go.
1: So that is indeed the good news. Davis Mills is available and has apparently been looking pretty good. But it was interesting later on in, in, in Shaw's media availability. He said that It wasn't the exact same injury that K.J. was dealing with since the Oregon game. This is something different. Now, whether it's his hand, whether it's something else in his upper body, uh, that was not made clear, and of course, David Shaw would probably make that clear, uh, even if we did ask him straight up. But we we did find that, I I, I found that a bit interesting that this this was something new. So, Costello likely on the shelf for this one, and that means Davis Mills, come on down. Once again, you are the next contestant on Stanford Quarterbacking in 2019. Let's get to number two. And look, quarterback position is going to, to take center stage as it should be. But the real position unit to watch for Stanford this week is the defensive backs. And Stanford is hurting there too. Paul Debo, it was revealed earlier this week, uh, unlikely to go out for the foreseeable future and Malik Antoine safety is also unlikely for this one as well given that after Wednesday night's practice I asked David Shaw what's on the plate of the young defensive backs who are going to be asked to step up in their stead
0: it's a lot a lot for a lot of guys um you know being without Paulson and looks like without Malik uh, Antoine also um those guys young guys have had to come in rotating a lot of guys getting a lot of reps um, the, they always say they don't have a lot of plays at Washington State. It feels like a lot of plays. A lot of guys go in a lot of directions. Um, we've got to be great in communication. Um, we've got to know um, where we're supposed to be. We've got to rally up and, and, and make tackles. Um, and we've got to try not to give up the deep one um, and find a way to pressure a quarterback that hasn't been pressured uh, most of the year. So all those things are what we're working on this week. Yep, if, if, if you said that this game was going to be won
1: or lost with the, the play of the Stanford defensive backs right now, I wouldn't argue with you. And I would imagine that that a lot of young guys, some guys that you've probably never even seen before, may be getting some extended playing time for Stanford in the secondary against the Cardinal. David, Sean gave us some hints on who some of those young men might be earlier this week.
0: Uh, it's Aaron Manley. Uh, is one off the top of my head who's Gotten into a game or two, we still have some games to play. Um, if we want to save that that, fret, that, that freshman unicorn, he's been close on special teams, and with Paulson being out now, you know he now, he's now a now step closer to getting on the field. So um, we don't feel like we need to hold him. And a guy like Nick Toomer, um was injured the majority of the first half of the year, and now he's been able to practice and during a couple couple weeks to get practice together, and now he's. A backup on a couple spots on special teams and had his chance to roll in there. And once again with Paulson being out, one step closer to getting on the field on the defensive side and getting a lot of reps there to make sure he's ready to go and knows what to do. so those are the two obvious ones right now, especially with with Paulson's health situation.
1: Yeah, we saw Zeron Manley against Arizona, Chasing Khalil Tate down. Uh, I I don't believe we've seen Nicholas Toomer so far to this point this year, but these were number twenty four. So if you see uh, someone wearing number twenty four on defense for Stanford, that's who that is. But Stanford defensive backs—that's going to be a position unit I think to watch more than above all others uh, for Stanford on Saturday. Let's get to number three. And with Stanford having a very impressive streak of 10 consecutive seasons with a bowl appearance on the line. That's a big deal to a lot of fans. And it's a, it's a big deal, let's face it, uh, to the program as well. That's the longest streak that Stanford has had in program history. And one of the longer ones It's the longest one in Pac-12, uh, among, amongst all the Pac-12 schools right now. So a lot of folks are thinking about bowl eligibility and whether Stanford can get there or not. Is David Shaw his answer to that on Wednesday night?
0: Honestly, right now I'm not thinking about it. Um, we we go from triage to game plan. That's where we're living one week at a time, right? How do we come our last week game? Who's up? Who's down? What can we do with them? And then we get to the game plan and we get to Saturday. So um, for us, if we play well enough, we'll make it. If we don't, then we won't. Um, But for us right now, we're just focusing on this week.
1: And really, that's about the only way he can look at it. This is about survival. It's not about looking ahead. Just take it one step at a time. Fans can look ahead. Media can look ahead. Coaches and players cannot. Because if they don't get it done this weekend, then they're really in a world of trouble. More on that in just a moment. But those are three things. Yeah, but before the season began people looked at Stanford's schedule and and they focused on the first six games understandably so USC in week two Northwestern in week one at that point that seemed like a really difficult challenge uh, the Wildcats have really had it rough so far this year although they'll probably pull the, the UMass Minutemen this weekend but USC in week two on the road at UCF right after that Oregon and Washington, all in the first six weeks of the season as well. People are looking at the top of the schedule. But I had this game, Stanford at Washington State on November 16th. I had this game. This was the game I had circled the whole time, the whole entire time. I always thought that if Stanford wanted to be on the right side of things, they would need to beat the Cougs. Washington State has beaten Stanford three straight times, you know. Now, granted, I was hoping that a division race would be at stake for Stanford this week and not not just mere bowl eligibility, but still the sentiment remains. Going up to Pullman, beating a team that you haven't beaten in your last three consecutive tries and really could have been four. Remember what it took for Stanford to get the win in Pullman in 2015? If Stanford wants to unlock its best-case scenario, they got to win this game. This is the one they got to win. I felt that way before the season. I felt that way during the season. And I feel that way this week. Got to win this game. Got to. One of the coaches who will be tasked with trying to get Stanford in position to win a football game this week is Peter Hansen, a coach for the Stanford Cardinal, the inside linebackers coach for the Cardinal. As a matter of fact, Palo Alto guy, went to high school right across the road, Pally High, and also uh, played both football and basketball at Arizona. And you can understand that when you see him because Peter's a pretty tall guy. But Peter, the inside linebackers coach, and that has been one of the more intriguing position units to watch this year for a lot of different reasons. After Wednesday's practice, Peter Hansen and I caught up. Our pleasure to catch up with Coach. Here on the TreeCast with Troy Clary. All right, Coach, let's uh, first put Colorado to bed. Mixed results overall for the defense. The good news, 16 points allowed for fantastic individual plays. In a lot of ways, uh, perhaps the best road defensive uh, performance for the squad this year. The Not so good news. Uh, drive drive extending penalties, especially in the fourth quarter. And, and just couldn't find ways to get off the field, especially in the fourth quarter. Yes. How would you assess how things went overall for the Cardinal defensively in Boulder?
2: Uh, you really said it. I mean, there's there's so much good. To be had, but the way the game went, we needed, you know, that that one play. And uh, our honorary captain actually talked about: you don't know which play it is that's gonna a get you off the field. It could be a first and ten and make it second and ten instead of second and two. So there are some plays in there where we end up third and really short, where it could have been, you know, third and longer on those on those longer drives. Um, So. Like I said, like you said also, it was a mixed bag. There was was a lot of good. When we're looking at the video, it's hard to really, you know, dig into anybody because there's so much good on the film. And then here and there um, were obvious plays that obviously we want to have a few back. Obviously, you know, there's some frustration, I would imagine. How how do you balance
1: that between, you know, how do you balance the uh, dealing with the emotion of the frustration when telling the kids, and, and, and just the education, just by sim- simply saying, "Hey, you know, this is what we need to do better," instead of just letting the emotion get get, get the better of you, potentially right. as coaches.
2: Um, well, it's a combination of things. One, you know, we've gotten to know these players really well and really closely, so um, you know, we're dealing with guys that we really like. <laughs> so <laughs> that's that's one way. And then and then there's there's been times when each one of us as coaches has probably uh, wanted to handle something differently. So, um, you know, we probably each have different strategies as far as that goes. And and one that I've adopted is I wait till we get all the way to the bench before I ask what they saw. So if they're jogging off the field, I don't want to say you should have done this. <laughs> I, I allow myself to wait, let them get all the way to the bench, and then if if I have to say the same thing, you should have done this or that, then great. But at least we both kind of had a chance to clear our head and and uh, you know maybe ask what they saw instead of you know, just judging off of whatever us as the coach just saw. So um, that's, that's a little strategy that I like to use for dealing with the emotion and the frustration. Inside linebacker has been an intriguing
1: position unit to watch really all year. Yeah. But unfortunately, the, the ranks have thinned in that position unit as, yeah. as the year has gone along. Uh, Tristan Sinclair got significant playing time for the first time since UCF. And obviously Beecher and uh, Pritz were the two starters. Yeah. Uh, I, I, dealing with
2: the attrition there with the injuries, how has that been for you this year? Uh, it's a combination of, of frustrating, of course, because we we had such high hopes for guys that got injured. I mean, um, Jacob Mengo Ferrar and Ricky Miaison were guys that looked awesome in camp and spring and all that sort of thing, and wanted to really compete for playing time, and you know, they got hurt so early. And then, um, you know, with the young guys, it's it's always fun to coach young guys and and. Uh, coach guys that are hungry to learn brand new stuff so that part's fun but it's also you're dealing with young guys and, and they're, they haven't seen everything that the older guys have seen and they haven't experienced all the motions and formations and tempo that the older guys have seen so that part can get can get difficult and frustrating at the same time. And also the fact that these guys have been converted, especially Pritz, who was
1: a safety as his start, and Curtis Robinson, who came from outside to inside. When guys are converting, what are the basic fundamentals that they have to learn when they're learning what it takes to be an inside linebacker at this level?
2: Uh, It's a little bit of a combination of things, but, you know, very specifically for Andrew, he converted from safety. It was, you know, seeing the guy that's trying to block you. You can't ignore the guy that's trying to block you. I mean, I think that was the big thing. He kept getting hit in the face by 300-pounders, and I had to find a way to teach the things that I hadn't talked about, because everybody in the room had played inside linebacker for a long time and knew that, you know, you you can't look past the guy that's trying to block you. So it, it became, uh, you know, it helped me become a better teacher probably. And then with Curtis, it's a different angle. His eyes and obviously with Andrew too, but his eyes were used to seeing things from an edge perspective, mm-hmm. and now he has to see a bigger picture and guys coming at him with, with angles that he's not used to. Curtis, we just got
1: word, looks like things are tend- trending up for him to be back on the field uh, on Saturday, and I think it's been uh, really cool to watch him grow up at that inside linebacker spot throughout the course of the year. Just kind of take us through the progression and what you've seen from him so far this season.
2: Um, well, well. the first thing we just mentioned was the eyes and, uh, you know, he's a really fast learner. I mean, when he first got in, in the inside backer room in the spring, I felt like um, it was a guy finding a, a home. So, that part has been exciting the whole time, but again, of course, he he became a veteran player and became a young player by overnight, you know, by switching positions. So, all or not all, but a lot of the same difficulties when a freshman comes in are, are things we've experienced. Not seeing things from his, that perspective, not seeing the motions and the formations and things like that. Making calls were, were, were some things that were uh, different for him. Now at the same time, he had heard all of our defense at least, that's why he wasn't the same as a freshman because he, he had the big picture in his head. He knows what the defense is supposed to look like. He just is a different puzzle piece now than he was before. Um, and as far as growth, I think a little bit of the physical play has improved when you know taking on a puller or, or some sort of lead player. Uh, he's gotten more physical with that, and I think that stems from seeing it quicker, the confidence that he knows he's right and uh, and doesn't have to think as much and can just pull the trigger and go. Yeah, A
1: lot of folks talk about the the checklist that the quarterback has to go through, especially yeah, the system yeah. that, that's run here at Stanford, but obviously there's a lot that goes through an inside yeah. linebacker's oh, head. Yeah. What sort of things do they have on their checklist from snap to snap?
2: Yeah, um, I mean, setting the front is a big one, and, and the checklist is a lot of the reasons I love coaching inside linebackers because we're involved with the secondary coverage. We're involved with the front in in the run game and in the blitz game so um you know the checklist has to do with everything i mean it has to do with let's set the front and make sure everyone is aligned how we want them aligned in front of us let's hear what's going on behind us so we know you know if there's a safety coming down or um, where our help is in the run game from the secondary's perspective so i just i just love how we're so involved with the whole scheme as inside linebackers so um, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a big checklist. We have to, kind of a run game checklist and a pass game checklist, and, and, uh, and then we have to look up and see how that applies to the formation. So um, it's, it's, uh, there's a lot of stuff that uh, after a while, you know, these guys don't think about as much, but when guys convert or freshmen come in, then it's like, okay, let's just find out where number two is and, <laughs> and, uh, and try to keep it as simple as we can. Let's talk about this week's
1: opponent, the Washington State Cougars, and I'd imagine that the pass game checklist gets a little bigger this week and the right. run game checklist gets a little bit smaller. Right. Uh, Mike Leach, the, the world-famous air raid. From the inside linebacker's perspective, what sort of
2: challenges does the air raid pose? Uh, from inside backer, we, we're going to end up on receivers here and there when, when we're in different uh, Different coverages, there's, there's a very strong possibility we could end up on a receiver. So, there's the physical challenge of that. And then, uh, you know, the mental challenge is a lot of their offense starts out the first two or three steps looks the same as the previous play, and then it's something totally different. So, uh, we, we've just got to somewhat be patient while things are going really fast and um, you know, allow our eyes and, and feet to do the talking. As much as anything, and um, you know we know they're going to throw it. They're going to throw it a huge number of times, and then just not go crazy when they sneak that run in. You know, keep that as limited as possible when they sneak those runs in to keep us honest. All right, let's wrap it up on this. Your
1: overall key, entire team could be, the entire team could be, could be just, just a defense. Yeah. What are the things that you're going to be watching overall, and uh, what, are the, what do the what the card need to do to get the win over the Cougs?
2: We need to tackle. They're going to complete balls, Um, they're going to make plays, they're going to make first downs. We need to tackle and limit the extra yardage. I mean, they've they've had guys that are so good at breaking tackles or or faking guys out and, and run after catch is such a huge part of them, we need to tackle. It's a heck of a chess match when you're facing the Cougs. Should be fun to watch. Coach, thanks a bunch as always. Best of luck. Up to the Palouse and back. We'll talk again soon. All right. Thank you very much.
1: Good chat. And our thanks to uh, Peter Hanson, the Stanford Inside Linebackers, Coach, for joining us here on the TreeCast. And, yeah, you know, with, with Curtis Robinson uh, apparently uh, looking good and trending upwards towards uh, returning to the fold for Stanford, I thought he was really missed last week uh, against Colorado. We talked about that in the TreeCast earlier this week. But with Robinson coming back, Look, you need as much speed as you can possibly get on the field when you're dealing with all those wide receivers. You need it. You need it. So if Curtis Robinson is as effective, anywhere near as effective, as he looked at, its best, at his best moments, specifically against Washington a month ago, then that will certainly help out Stanford uh, defensively and their efforts on that side of the ball, especially given how, how shorthanded uh, the secondary is. So good to see Curtis Robinson at least likely to play this week against the Cougs. They'll need him, they will definitely need him. And, and Peter Hansen's right. Tackle, 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 tackle. Gotta tackle dudes in open space. You have to, got no choice. Now Stanford at Washington State as we talked about may be, may be in similar positions, maybe in similar shapes right now. But of course, David Shaw, and Washington State head coach Mike Leach are two very, very different coaches and two very, very different people. On Tuesday's press conference with David Shaw, I asked uh, Coach how he would compare and contrast himself and
0: Mike Leach. That's a great question. Um, I don't know that... I don't know that I have a good answer for that. I don't know that Mike Leach has a good answer for that. I think that we, um, commonalities-wise, we, we enjoy the game. We enjoy the chess match of game day. Um, my call sheet is ten times bigger than his. Um, but when you watch him, you don't see that um, because he's the master adjuster. right? He, he'll say he's got five pass plays in the game but they look like 25 because they'll call one and then tag a receiver to do something different. Then they'll call the same play and tag a different receiver and ask him to do something different. So the the manipulation of whatever is on that 3 by 5 card, um, uh, it, it's always more than it seems. And at the same time for us on that big call sheet, there are a lot of those plays that are very, very similar with one or two tweaks, so we just we just call him something different. He calls it the same thing. we call it something different um, but uh, yeah it's 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 really uh, really hard to compare and contrast
1: I thought an honest answer there from uh, David Shaw and, and look, but both Shaw and Leach have distinctive philosophies and distinctive I hate to use this term in this in this sense, but brands of football. You know you're watching a Mike Leach coach team when you're seeing the quarterback, you know, put the ball up in the air 65 times in the game. And you know you're watching David Shaw branded football. You know you're watching teams that are coached by those guys just by, just by the eye test. Both have had success at schools where it's really tough to win. David Shaw has been to three Rose Bowls and won two of them, by the way. I feel the, I feel the need to point that out at times. And both are head football coaches at Pac-12 universities. Outside of that, just about everything else is different between David Shaw and Mike Leach. Just about everything else. Especially what happens when a season doesn't quite go as planned. High hopes for the Cardinal this year. High hopes for the Cougs this year. Hopes that will not be recognized to their fullest potential in 2019. And While David Shaw kind of takes the the more boring, the more steady approach to things, you know, saying it's about execution, and he's right. And execution, when he says it's about that, uh, that does go back to the coaches as well. So he's not throwing entirely the players underneath the bus. Coaches are responsible for the execution of the team as well, too, right? David Shaw takes that tack. Meanwhile, Mike Leach turns to the media and calls his players fat, dumb, and happy and says his team leaders are frauds. And that's the stuff we hear when the cameras and the recorders are on. It's a bit different from how Shaw handles things when things go sideways. And I think we're seeing that throughout the course of the season, respectively, for both teams. I find it interesting. Look, these are are different coaches and they're different approaches. It's It's part of what makes... I think the Pac-12, a little more fun to watch than some of the other conferences. I mean, you get some real monoliths at head coach out there, right? And and maybe Shaw is one of those guys. Mike Leach certainly is not. But that, that, that stark contrast in approach, that stark contrast in personality makes for interesting games and interesting chess matches between these two. And even as different as these coaches are, They're still in the same boat, 4-5, and and desperately needing a big, big win to finish up their season in the right way. Cougs, dangerous offensively as usual. They'll rack up a lot of yards. Quarterback Anthony Gordon, City College of San Francisco guy, doing good things and putting up terrific numbers, as you might expect. Uh, You're going to get to know, I think, his receivers a lot throughout the course uh, of the afternoon. Brandon Arcanado, a former walk-on. Good story there. Aesop Winston, another CCSF guy. Desmond Patman has been dangerous throughout portions of his career as well. And you also might remember their running back, Max Borgie. I love watching that guy play. Borgie, their running back, whom... You know, Stanford apparently was in the mix recruiting-wise, but Borgie chose to go to Pullman. Might we see a bit more of him than normal in this game against the Cardinal as a result? Look, Max Borgie is their second-leading receiver, and obviously their leading rusher with just 86 carries on the year, but he still seems criminally underutilized, criminally almost. But maybe we see more of Max Borgie. Uh, from the Cougars this time around against Stanford. Stanford over the years has been given fits by what Washington State calls their speed D, the speed defense. And it was a real problem uh, for Stanford over the past few years, especially when Alex Grinch was their defensive coordinator. People wanted to say that, that, that Stanford had a Mike Leach problem. I said, no, no, no. Stanford had an Alex Grinch problem cuz that was the dude that was that was really causing some consternation for the Cardinal coaching staff and the players. Alex Grinch is gone, went to Ohio State. Now he's the defensive coordinator at Oklahoma. Tracy Clays came in and he quit last month. So, the defensive coordinators have changed. Has the scheme? Are there any big changes? in this year's edition of the Speed D for the Washington State Cougars. I asked Stanford right tackle Foster Sorrell for his thoughts on that.
3: Um, I mean, they're super similar. You kind of know what you're getting with Wazoo. Um, They're lighter, but they move a lot. They stun a lot. Um, They have good juice. They kind of play with the chip on their shoulder. Um, I feel like that's kind of always been the same for for a a while since uh, Coach Leach has been up there. Um, I feel like it's a great challenge for us. You know, we got some young guys on our line, but it's going to be really fun to uh, kind of deal with that movement and and see how we can gash them and make some big plays.
1: That's Foster Sorrell. and, and, And the defense for the Washington State Cougars this year just hasn't been quite as effective as it has over the past couple. Their tackling has not been at its highest level. I've been really, really put off by some of the tackling exhibitions, or lack thereof, that the Cougs have put on at points this year. However, they're still active. Still physical. They still like to move around. They still like to cause confusion before the snap. We saw UCLA take that uh, take that tactic against Stanford a couple weeks ago, and look how that turned out. Then again, slightly more experience at quarterback this time around than there was for Stanford against UCLA. The speed D is vulnerable, but can Stanford take advantage? Now, given the fact that. K.J. Costello is likely not going to be available for this one. I don't think we're going to see Air Shaw like we did last year versus Washington State. Remember that game? It was a good game. Great game, actually. Cougs won in the final moments. Big throws by Gardner Minshew down the stretch, hitting a Jameer Calvin right down the seam. Sean Barton had the coverage. He was right there. But Minshew dropping a dime with the game on the line, and the Cougs kicked the game-winning field goal. Uh, to beat Stanford last year. But Stanford offensively went up-tempo and went no huddle and threw the ball all over the yard, tried to beat the Cougars that way, and it almost worked. I don't necessarily think we're going to see that like we did last year against the Cougs. Stanford doesn't have to force the running game like they probably did against UCLA with Jack West. A more balanced approach, probably necessary and possible with Davis Mills running the show and probably necessary given Mills' durability. I, I still quite honestly have questions whether he is going to last this game. It's unfortunate, but that is what it is. So if Stanford runs the ball, can they use misdirection Can they get the speed D going one way and all of a sudden the ball's going the other? We've seen at times Stanford break that out with an occasional reverse. Nathaniel Pete has been instrumental in those efforts. Tucker Fisk's blocking is going to be missed. I really wish Stanford still had that guy at their disposal, but of course he was injured early in the game against Colorado after catching a pass and landing funny on his upper body and causing injury there. But if Stanford runs the ball, misdirection. Misdirection. And along those same lines, I'd like to see Stanford move the pocket around a bit when they throw the ball. Davis Mills has done very well in that department. So there are ways. There are ways for, I think, Stanford to try to attack the speed defense. Can Stanford make the right calls at the right times, And when the right calls are made, can they execute? Those two things go hand in hand. Now, I I don't like this matchup. I don't, I really don't for Stanford. I didn't earlier in the season and I don't now, especially with Stanford's best corner and most experienced safety potentially on the shelf. Those two developments do not bode well, I think, for Stanford this week. But based on what I've seen from Wazoo this year, I can't rule out them crooking it, can I? I mean, they did blow a 32-point lead. Anything is possible. Anything. I don't know. I don't know. I think we're going to see some things this Saturday that we might not quite have expected coming in, and might have us scratching our heads by the end of it all, one way or the other. Let's get to They Said It, and the subject of They Said It, which is kind of a TreeCast quote of the week, is Foster Sorrell. He's from the Evergreen State, Graham Washington, as a matter of fact, that's Away south of Tacoma. Given that, I asked Foster earlier this week if, if, there's, if there's any extra emotion playing against the Cougs and heading to Pullman.
3: Not a whole lot. I mean, it's the east side of Washington. I'm a west side guy. Uh, so, I mean, if it was up at UW, I'd definitely feel a little bit more. Um, but, I mean, Wazoo, um, I didn't talk to them a whole lot in my recruiting process. I know a couple guys there. Um, I know a lot of people that go to school there. Uh, so that'll be fun, just kind of playing around people that uh, I went, I grew up with my whole life and stuff like that. And so that'll be fun. I'd like to go ball out and get a win and you know, kind of shut everybody up and show how good we are. And so that's kind of my goal.
1: Cool. I'd be in for that. <laughs> I'd be in for that. I certainly would. Foster Sorrell, he's going to have his hands full against the Washington State defense. And I think the whole Stanford team is going to have their hands full as well. It's going to take a complete effort. Offense, defense, running. Passing, blocking, tackling, play calling, everything needs to come together for 60 minutes. Something that has not happened on the road for Stanford so far this year. Got to get it done. Got What was that, uh, Lou Saban, uh, the head coach of the Buffalo Bills back in the 70s? You can get it done. You can get it done. What's more, you got to get it done. (laughs) One of the great NFL films clips of all time. Stanford versus Washington State. Uh, weather up in Pullman last check. Cloudy in a high of 49 degrees. So it looks like it's going to be dry at least. So that's that's certainly good news. You can check out my guys on the Pac-12 Network. Ted Robinson, Yogi Roth, Lewis Johnson. All three outstanding gentlemen on the call on the TV side. My guys on the radio side. Don't forget Scott Reese and Todd Huzak on the Stanford Football Radio Network. And if you want to listen to what the enemy's talking about, I got my peeps on the Washington State uh, Radio Network as well. My man Matt Chasnow on play-by-play and Jasmine McIntyre down on the sidelines. Good, fo- good folks. Good people. Good people. Wish I was going to be up there in Pullman so I could hang out with everyone. Instead, I'll be on my couch sweating this one out. <laughs> I have a feeling. <laughs> hashtag TreeCast if you've got thoughts on the show and on Stanford football. Hit me up on Twitter. Hashtag TreeCast. And give me the follow on Twitter as well, at Troy Clarity, at Troy Clarity. Last name is spelled C-L-A-R-D-Y. Subscribe, rate, and review the show, Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Thank you to those of you who have subscribed, have rated, and have reviewed the shows. I certainly appreciate all of your efforts uh, in those endeavors. I also appreciate the time of our special guest, Stanford Inside Linebackers coach Peter Hansen, Our first chance to chat with him. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. We'll come at you middle of next week. Hey, we got big game coming up. Stanford versus Cal. So we will come at you uh, likely on Wednesday and uh, start to uh, turn the table, turn the page rather, and start to look at big game and plus also wrap up some things that we see on Saturday. Against Washington State, don't drink and drive. If you do, you're the dumbest person on the planet. And thanks for checking us out. This is the Tree Cast with Troy Claire. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team
0: ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click or just stop by.
2: Granger for the ones who get it done. Save big money now on new siding from LP SmartSide at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding.